Yes. Hey, what's up, Ron? Hey, Artie. Hey, it's been uh, wait, the last time, when was the last time I saw you? Fate's warning. Fate's warning. Get a little up on that mic there, buddy. Yeah, I'll get way up on this motherfucker. Get, on, get up on that mic. Yeah, yeah they I'll played a 1,200 capacity room to 29 people. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking depressing. <laughs> it was bleak. I think Although, we knew like half the people. It was. Uh, we did, uh, yeah. I thought Warrior Soul was... <laughs> You know, it was, it was classic Long Island being a sea market at this point. <laughs> <laughs> a weekday. It was rough. They deserve better, man. They really do. Oh, they do. Yeah, because they were actually really fucking good. They were great, actually, were really but good. no one no one was there to witness it. And I bought a t- I think I'm the only person who bought a T-shirt. I bought a soft red shirt. It was so soft. Well, at least they made 30 bucks in merch to pay for that tour bus. I know. That they right. looked like they borrowed from Metallica. I... It's a mystery to me. How does that happen? I, well, you know, I told you this story where I was talking to um, to Jim Matheus downstairs. He's a guitar player for Fate's Warning, and and he, uh, I, I made some comment like, so you know, like, what do you do? I, I might even Kevin Huffnagel was downstairs. I might have said it to him. I don't know. Like, but it was like these guys, like you know, what does he do for a living? He's like, you know, he's no way. He ma- no Fate's Warning. He makes money. He lives off Fate's Warning. I. I uh, it's a mystery to me, but maybe when they go, maybe they sell a billion T-shirts in Europe. I have no fucking idea. I know they're way bigger there, but they don't even seem to play much. Like everybody's way bigger there. Yeah, but, yeah. they release an album every five years. So yeah. How much can that and they, and they do like sixteen dates a year. Yeah, I, I don't I, get it at all. It's it's one of the, I want to maybe I'll, maybe we'll maybe we'll have Jim on. We'll have a, a call with Jim and like, Jim. What the fuck? How do you do it? Who's your financial advisor? Because I need him. And um, why don't you just? Play the next five years of your life doing the first three albums. Oh yeah, well One tour because at a John time. because John Arch can't. But yeah, yeah, John Arch has. Uh, yeah. Wow. What have you been up to besides? Uh, uh, a lot of shows. Very little sleep. Ron and I have been in trouble. Have had some trouble getting together for various reasons called life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Life sucks sometimes. Uh, Gets in the way of fun. I went. Yeah, I went to uh, I went to Chicago Open Air on for one day. Oh, I saw on pictures. Sunday. How yeah. was it? It was. Uh, it looked good in pictures. It was. It was fun, <laughs> you know. Like we got the the full all access action. George and I uh, went and. Had yeah, you f- looked like you were royalty there. Yeah, it was. No, I mean, you know, it. it I won't. I won't go that far, but it was. It was. Uh, we got all access, which was fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I saw Amon Marth, who were you know they're they're kind of fun. <laughs> I don't get that band. I mean, it, they're just fun though. Slayer was awesome, actually. Were they good? Yeah, they were great. Uh, um, Stone Sour with Roy playing drums, which I'd never seen live. There's no reason I would ever go see Stone Sour. So, you know. I would I'd... love to see Roy play again. The last time I saw him was when he did that Amoebix thing. Oh, yeah. Wait, but... I mean, Jesus. He's a very, that was very versatile guy. I actually yeah, like that anything. last Amoebix record. You know what? The first listen, I was so offended that it was so clean. And... Oh, yeah. But then once I accepted it for what it was, the songs it is good. a good record. The songs are good. Yeah. It's very killing joke. Yes. Yes. Like almost too killing joke. Yes. But it's really good. I, I mean, nothing's nothing's too Killing Joke. Come on. No, I mean, I love Killing Joke. If you can, if you can rip Killing Joke, wait until the new Primitive Weapons record comes out. I fucking did a good job ripping oh, yeah? some Primitive. Oh. What era Killing Joke do you steal? Oh, right. or it's, borrow? it's straight up. It's Requiem, the song Requiem. Yeah. Oh, I mean, so if you're going to steal, that's steal from your the template. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny though because the Amoebix guy has said that they always aspired to have that sound, but you know they had no gear. And yeah, they, they had, had stolen young, gear and, and squatting and, and yeah. So I mean that's the it's amazing how much mo- how much money people will spend to sound like they like that. <laughs> well, that's the other side of the. <laughs> you know coin. what I mean? Like, oh, we want to sound crust, so you got to. Yeah, Amoebics are that. trying to sound like Killing Joke in a studio, <laughs> and a bunch of losers that live around here are trying to sound like Killing Joke in a rehearsal space with yeah. a mic on the ceiling. It's fucking weird. It's a weird world we live in. You know, everyone trying to be something they're not. George, who else did we see? Who else? Did we, who's who headlined that night? 
uh, on Sunday. How come, I, how come I'm blanking out as to who headlined this show? Stone Sour. Was, yeah, but somebody played after Stone Sour. Slayer. Slayer played in the other stage. Who's the? Did you guys only see three bands? We, we, only, we only got That's there. That's the same one. We only got there when Amon Amarth went on. Oh. Uh, we missed Behemoth. Lamb of God. Lamb of God, right. Right, but Stone Sour wasn't the headliners. There was another band that played last, last. Yeah. Stone Sour is the last one on that stage. It went Lamb of God, Stone Sour, and then... Slayer, and then Ozzy. Oh, Ozzy. Oh, my God. So oh, Ozzy. Ozzy played? Jesus. Ozzy was awesome. I loved it. Really? The set list was perfect. Yeah. Did he... Um yeah, they tuned down. They tuned down to appease his voice. voice. I don't think he could find them on a map at this point, but I don't, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure he knew where he was. But yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I thought it was. I thought it was great. Blasco kicked ass. Uh, Zach was. Zach was awesome. It was like you know, time stood still. They had the. Did the, they do like no more tears and older, or did they? Yeah. Okay, so that's perfect. Yeah, it, uh, I mean. Yeah, they, op- they they did Jakey Lee stuff. I mean, it was awesome. It was. Did they do anything aside from Bark at the Moon? They opened. Album? They opened with Bark at the Moon, right, George? Yeah. Did they yeah. really? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's. I love that's that. Great. I love that era. Uh, yeah, it was it was a, it was an awesome set list. I mean, yeah, Ozzy had his moments, but. Yeah, I mean, at this point, he definitely. I, always they, does. I mean, look look at the fucking guy. He can have a couple moments. Do you seem wiped out? It's not like I paid for the coherent? show that I get upset, you know. So whatever. Do you seem coherent or like wiped out and fucked up? No, he seemed. He seemed great i mean they played forever so it really? was, yeah it was that's awesome how'd you forget ozzy played i fucking forgot ozzy because it was like you remembered some, stone sour but I, you forgot ozzy. i remembered stone sour because i saw you and i thought nausea and i thought roy that's and true it was like, that, yeah, that's like yeah <laughs> but then yeah i don't know i don't you know you scream cyber god between songs did you <laughs> <laughs> i know you're capable once you're drunk <laughs> I, I know i was too i was too far away we actually with i think when they played no we were at, we were at the sound booth when they played but they uh we were in a Monomars dressing room, which was to the side when Lamb of God played. Lamb of God was actually pretty good, honestly. They they're like, a great live band, yeah, but they I were, don't like them at all. Uh, uh, they, but they, they're, they're great. I mean, it's not, my, it's not my thing. Yeah, and that's fine. I, I mean, I, I don't own any of their records, but I, I've never seen them live either. So I was like, you I know. saw them at ABC No Rio. <laughs> Holy shit, no way. <laughs> when they were Burn the Priest, though. Wow. I think I saw them twice there. I saw them at uh, CB's. Like one of those loudest fuck things that Ralphie booked with 18 of the most brutal bands in the world. Yeah. They headlined one of those. Some at Limelight a few times. But I just never, they never connected. Yeah. Never connected at all. I probably was at a show that they play, but I just didn't watch them. <laughs> I don't like That'd that mechanical, thrashy guitar tone. It's very Pantera. It's Pantera with yeah. their own little stamp on it. And yeah. I don't even like Pantera, so. Yeah, but it's just barking yeah, up the neither, wrong tree. For I me. didn't say that. But I watch it and I fully acknowledge that they're great at what they do, but. I'm old. Because it's very hipster to say you don't like Pantera. It's hipster metal this time to say you don't Is like Pantera. Is it hipster to say you don't yeah, like Pantera? Yeah, totally. Totally. What if you say you like uh, the first three albums? Apparently it's hipster That's metal hipster, to, to say bad things about Chester Pennington kill, killing himself yesterday. So, you know. Yeah, that was a whole other thing. The guy from Lincoln Park yeah. killed himself. Actually, I, think, I don't think we've seen each other since Chris Cornell. I don't think we have. That yeah. crushed me that, and uh, stunned me. I mean, yeah. I think th- this one actually stunned I actually toured with Lincoln Park um, uh, a bunch of years ago, and he was really, really nice. Um, I know he had substance abuse problems. I didn't know anything about. Did he have them abuse. at that point, or I after? mean, he was like, like how I, long ago was the tour? I, I smoked a joint with him and and drank beer with him at two o'clock in the afternoon, and he wasn't going on until much later. But uh, this is two thousand five. That was a while ago, twelve yeah, years. Yeah, but like he, uh, no, I mean, I I didn't know it. I didn't know anything about 
anything that was going on. I just knew that he was the singer of Linkin Park, and he would come watch the bands on the second stage and hang out, and he was really nice. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's... Uh, I, he had six kids. I did, I, dude, I... That guy I did not I, pull out. No. Well, he had the money to support him, so good for him. But yeah. But not good for him that he would kill himself with six kids. That's uh, Yeah, that was... That's not very... I mean, I have no connection to him at all, but I heard yeah. it yesterday, and I was surprised. I didn't know anything about him either. Yeah, uh, I mean... And I heard weird... I read weird stuff about how he was sexually abused at a young age by yeah. one of his older friends. I, yeah, yeah. I obviously had none of... I can't even name one of their songs. Yeah, it's like a new metal thing, because isn't the guy from Korn that happened to him? And Corey Taylor from yeah. Slipknot, that happened to him? And I guess so that's uh, I guess the he, template to be a mid-'90s new metal band. Yeah, or late, early abused. 2000s, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Uh, it, I mean, who knew? <laughs> not me until this. You're, didn't Korn write a song? Korn had a song about it. Did they really? I toured with him for long enough. I should know, but uh, yeah, whatever. Were we actually listening to what he was saying? I mean, he never. It was like a thing stage, because because those the, those bands put up such a macho front, so it was it was uh, very sort of groundbreaking for a guy to talk about that subject because it's you know it. Well, certainly, it, it, it's, even today, it's a taboo topic. It's a taboo most, topic. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, like, but what's that? Him too. Yeah, I did. Uh, George really? Slim, Phil and Sama too. Who knew? Um, yeah, so I, George said something for the first time ever. Yeah, but he's still not on mic. There you go. <laughs> Ugh, anyway, he said Phil Anselmo, by the way, in case because <laughs> nobody heard it. <laughs> so yeah, we're uh, lots of things have happened since the last time we saw each other. Um, Chris Cornell. Um, I mean, I was a huge Soundgarden fan. I yeah, got, so I, right when Ultra Mega OK came out, and it was just so different. Same here. Yeah, and I, I followed them through to the end. I, I always really loved and respected them as a band. Yeah, they were uh, incredibly unique for what they were associated with and and when they came out. Like, there's very, there was nobody who did what they did and did it as well, you know. But I no. also think that were bands that did that, me, tried to do it musically, but could never do the vocal part. Right? Their influences were too unique. Yeah. They had a lot of post-punk, and then they had elements of classic rock. They had a punk attitude, and they... And fucking do metal. <laughs> Which, if, at the end of the day, like, it was doom metal with weird, tricky... It was like the, the yeah, tricky bits of Black Sabbath. A lot of sabbath riffs. <laughs> yeah, a lot, but... But, but, like, the, but the rhythm section was doing, like, almost post-punk stuff. Yeah. And then you have, like, a guy who wails, like, fucking Robert Plant. Yeah, like, it, was, it, was a, it, was, it was definitely a weird... Band. The first time I heard them, it was a weird band. And, of course, like, we both saw them early on. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, like, live, I, I still... That's still in the top three shows I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, they were amazing. It was. Uh, they, did we talk about this? Yeah, I'm sure we have. We have. We don't, have I don't know if we did on mic or not. Yeah. But either way, yeah. They, yeah, they were awesome, and that was that was that's that shocked me, legitimately shocked me. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I I can't relate, but uh, I just uh, I. I went to all the conspiracy it, sites. Did you really? Yeah, you know, he got murdered. They're saying that about Chester Bennington too. Oh, already? Yeah. I didn't hear anything about that. They, they're saying it's they're somehow con- connected. They, were, I mean. I understood the connection and the theory that they well, were Chris very Cornell good friends, and it was Ch- his birthday. No, Chester Bennington was one of Chris Cornell's godfathers. Yes, they were very close. They were close. And it was his birthday. Right. Which, I didn't know there was a connection on some deep conspiracy level. No, I didn't read what the conspiracy... I just read that... I, I quickly read it, and I, I looked at the source, and I was like, this is retarded. But, like, I, you know... <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Chris Cornell ones were... I mean, I think it's inevitable. I mean, I think me and you can die at this point in the way of conspiracy theory. Me, there should be, because, I mean... <laughs> Somebody probably will kill me. I think one of the first things That's I said... That's probably not funny like, when they find like, me butchered somewhere. I failed so miserably at, at, at the music thing, and I'm still alive. What? 
What's up with these successful people? It must be, I mean, Jesus, it's, it's got to be really powerful. It's like, got to be hard, man. Yeah, what the fuck, man? But, you know. Uh, well, here's the failure. Nice. And nice. life. Yeah, <laughs> and continuing it. Yeah, um, no stopping. But, yeah, like, uh, I guess, you know, it, we have a friend, my friend Renee, uh, who was very, very close with Chester. I felt really bad texting him yesterday. He's, he's just, like, beyond. Renee Mata, I don't know if you know. Who? Renee Mata. No, uh, you'd, you'd know Renee if you met him, uh, if you've seen him. Uh, right. But he's, yeah, he was super close with Chester. I Is he a Long Island him. guy? Uh, he lives on Long Island now. Yeah, like he's he's tight with uh, Chris Enriquez, and I, I'm sure you know, I do know. Him. Yeah, you'd you'd know him if you saw him. He's he works for AM. He's a really okay. nice, really really awesome guy. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's super sad, and uh, I hope there's not any more coming. They say these things work in threes, so you know. Well, can we hope who it is then? The third? <laughs> At this point, I hate doing that. You know, yeah, that's a little fucked up. <laughs> and I almost went to our easy go-to target, who has no connections to these bands. <laughs> but that's really fucked up. Now that guy's gonna live till he's 110. He's gonna be a cockroach. But his old band got in a horrible. Uh, yes. Bus that accident. That was really fucked yeah, up. Yeah. What the fuck? Same thing that happened and those, to Dillinger. Two of those guys live like a town or two away from me. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one, one guy, the Levitan. guitar players from Long Island. Yeah. yeah. And that was horrible. I mean, I just saw a picture or two and uh, read the whole thing. And just knowing industry people and Long Island people, a lot of my friends knew those guys. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, it's uh, it's Forgot all sad. about that. Is there somebody knocking on the door? I don't know if that was I a knock. Need another. I need another half hour, guys. Don't fucking bother me. <laughs> um, don't look at me. I guess I'll wait and see if somebody knocks again. Somebody calls. Yeah, that was actually the adrenaline mob thing. That was terrible. Yeah, that was that was sad. So like, what, let's talk about something good. Jesus, man. This shit's getting dark. Um, <laughs> negative Approach is playing tonight. That's good. Negative Approach. And, and Blood Clot. Blood Clot, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and tomorrow's Siege. And, uh, yeah. And, and, I'm going to Maiden. I know. I, I, I have tickets for Maiden, but I can't go. No. You can't go? No, my wife is away. I gotta take care of the kid. You know how it rolls. Um, but the... Uh, but we got like the trooper tickets, which is like this special VIP. Is that like room. sitting in a booth with beer and food kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, and yeah, last time we last time we did it at the garden, like Anthrax was in in the room with us for some reason. I don't know why. I was like, what? You shared a room with Anthrax? Yeah, we were like, we were like, oh, it's like it's a bunch of bartenders and Anthrax. Oh, this is interesting. Okay, hi Anthrax, remember us? So why are we here today? Who are we introing? What's going on? Oh, the, uh, I guess we do. We'll do Mutoid Man. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Yeah. Uh, Their record's killer. I knew this was coming. Some of the, these guys, it's, this is negative approach. Uh, is it negative what approach? What time is load in for negative approach? Uh, five. Please. There you go. Um, yeah. Uh, wait, what were we talking about? <laughs> I got interrupted. Uh, God damn it. Mutoid Man. Right. So this is the intro from Mutoid Man. Uh, we uh, Primitive just went out with them. We did a, a bunch of dates and uh, with them and Helmsley. It was awesome. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, they just went out to the West Coast and did Helmsley. And they, uh, it, uh, they they're back, it. though, because I saw him last night. He yeah, did. yeah, they're back. Uh, and this was one of the weirdest uh, ones we've ever done. Of course, I managed to make it about me somehow. But I'm good about I'm good like that. <laughs> uh, no, Steve. Steve uh, talked quite a bit about Cave In and their major label experience, and and uh, you know, and I, I, Steve might have had a little too much to drink toward the and, end. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I felt kind of bad. Like he started getting real quiet. <laughs> like he's going to fall asleep. Like, well, everyone else got louder. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
but yeah, him and Nick were incredibly entertaining. Uh, oh, they're great. As they usually are. And, and, they're uh, funny and they're great guys. Yeah, and they talk about two minutes to late night and uh, and some of the other things that they're involved with. And uh, yeah, this is a... Well, it starts with a conversation about masturbating with uh, toothpaste. So that's... Uh, does it? Yeah, it sure does. I have a feeling I was part of that, but I don't remember. No, you, were, you weren't here yet. Oh, Oh, that's right. I was yeah, bummed I just started going. I missed it. And then I started talking about soap, I think. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. yeah. The conversation went in all sorts of directions. So don't imagine. miss out on that. This is very exciting stuff. Um, yeah, if you want to hear about me, I used to masturbate with soap. <laughs> don't miss it. And you can check out Mutoid Man if you want also. Yeah. They have a new album out on uh, Sergeant House. It's called Warmones, and it's uh, on a lot of people's top records of the year. Yeah, so it's far. got a lot of hype. It's but it's of, really good. It is. It's, it's a really interesting And they're record. like one of the most fun bands to see live. That so energetic exists. It's uh, they have too much fun. I'm jealous. It's just annoying. They're literally laughing like yeah, the whole time. Mid song, the whole they're fucking playing, time. Like, crazy, noty, ridiculously yeah. fast music while looking at each other and laughing. Stop having so much fucking fun. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's different. Yeah, it's it's. Awesome. They should be concentrating and sweating, but yeah, but they don't have laughing. to because they're fucking sick. Yeah, they can do that shit in their <laughs> sleep because they're ridiculous. <laughs> and they were better musicians at 14 than exactly. <laughs> most of us are now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, with no further ado, here is uh, Mutoid Man on the automatic crowd. Experimenting with different lubes. I was like, oh, toothpaste will be a good idea. (laughs) No! I can't, yeah. Uh, To me, that's what an Altoid blowjob sounds like or reminds me of. It's not quite So wait, so let's go, let's go. You you jerked off with toothpaste. Well, once. That's all it took. But I didn't actually go the full route. Did you get any? It's impossible. Was there any It's too painful. Oh, you you couldn't, you couldn't make it all happen. No, no way. Come on, wow. you've tried it. I've you never, should know. Never tried it. <laughs> I've used lots of different things, but I've maybe tried Tom's it. of Maine would be a little more forgiving. Wow, it's a little more natural, less chemicals than like Crest or Colgate. <laughs> I remember, like as a kid, an idiot, I, I accidentally, I think, used like my parents' muscle rub or something. Oh, so you basically jerked off with Ben Gay? Yeah, it was not actually Ben Gay because we were too poor to afford that. So it was more like. You were too poor to afford. So what'd you get? Like fucking Dwayne Reed? Yeah, it was like not even. It was like CVS or ninety nine cent store style. Ninety nine cent store <laughs> muscle. That's the expiration debt date. Like what the fuck? And I don't. Uh, that was a bad memory. Try to block that one out. Mm. Now you just put it on your balls for fun. <laughs> right? Doctor Bronner's. That's the way to go. Doctor Bronner's. Oh, yeah. that peppermint soap is awesome. Yeah. I nicknamed it Ting- Tingly Parts. Mm. Tingly Parts. Tingly Parts. It is. I, I use the peppermint one. Like, that's what I use in my Until you get it in the tip, and then you're, then you're in trouble. You no. go to pee the next minute. Just burns. the tip. There's been so many things in there that it's desensitized. Oh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> the old butter knife in the pee hole trick. Uh, right. The butter knife in the pee hole never trick. Been, you've never been in the circus, have you? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm actually recording all this. <laughs> Uh, Ron, you see what you're missing? I was waiting for Ron. Ron's not here. Well, when Ron gets here, we can talk about music. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll just edit this up and throw (laughs) it. Ron Jeremy. Bonus bonus material. Bonus material. Boner material material with with Ron Jeremy. Oh, you Mutoid guys, you're so funny. Oh, (laughs) you're so funny. It's just funny funny stuff. See, aren't you glad that we had Nick involved? You wanted this just to be me and you, but no way, Jose. (laughs) I'll leave halfway through. Where are you going? I live around the corner. So, <laughs> I'm going to go jerk off with Ben Gay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds kind of awesome. Is he going to be next to you? Is he watching? <laughs> is, that, is that Ben's gay brother? Ben, ben Gay? 
Ben's alter ego. <laughs> yeah, when he's hanging out with Nick in private, he's Ben Gay. <laughs> <laughs> Just the two of them. Just the two of us. <laughs> we can make it. If we can make each other come if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. Oh, man. So you guys were just rehearsing uh, Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck are we doing that? Purple Vein. Purple Vein. Purple Vein. Was that for two, two or minutes? Or Purple Brain. Like yes. We changed all the lyrics to being oh, about asphyxiation. Purple, purple Brain. Purple Brain. Yeah. yeah. Like it's about choking. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. Purple helmet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, very nice. Zing. Mm. Where's Ben? What? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Never uh, be sorry. He's he's like up doing converge rehearsals now, right? Or writing with converge? Yeah, he's probably burning some trees in his backyard. I thought he was in Massachusetts right now. Probably. In, so he's burning some trees in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, is, that, is that what he does? He burns trees. Got to get rid of them. Yeah. We don't need them to breathe or anything. Yeah. There's nothing else to do up there. Yeah. Sure. Only live trees, not dead Beat ones. Your kids and. Burn trees. <laughs> Beat your kids. That's a joke. That's, that's a joke. My dad did. Wow, yeah, that's a total joke. You just throw Ben under the bus, him. man. That's yeah. nice. He's the best this dad. Is how the you just started. threw Ben Gay under the bus. Just edit out this whole first part. Yeah. Ron's not here. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> Ron's not here. My girlfriend's going to be like, oh, yeah? Who gave you the Altoid blowjob? Who was it? Oh, no. I'll just edit it out if it's going to be trouble. <laughs> Believe me, dude. The Sam I Am podcast we just did, we did in November when they played, I had to edit like half of it out. Oh, no. Uh, it was like I toured with those guys, and they're, yeah. They'll, yeah. Do, they'll do anything. Well, Let's Sean, just put it that way. Sean <coughs> has like the biggest dick on the planet, right? He's got a big penis, apparently. Yeah. yeah. I didn't Ooh. get to see it. but uh, That'll get you in trouble. But, yeah, some of the ladies... <laughs> Mentioned that he might have. A well, big Dan piece. Dan Shinta, who's also in Ice Balloons with him, yes, is like they're like old old friends. Um, so they have sword fights and shit. Well, and I used to live <laughs> with Dan, and I think the first thing when he introduced me to Sean, he's like, "Hey, Nick, this is Sean." And this is like eight years ago. Nick, this is Sean. He's got a really big dick, and I was just like, "Oh, hey, nice." And I didn't want to shake his hand after that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to reach for his dick. I just, yeah, I wanted to shake that thing. Yeah, that's how big is it? <laughs> Can I can I get it from across the room? Is it arms length? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. All right, this is a terrific intro to the uh, to the podcast. Well, this is going great. Yeah, Ron Ron uh, Ron has to come from Long Island, so you know, it's, oh, Long Island is huh? very dedicated um, when it comes to the podcast. But it's it's never easy getting here. If you know what I mean. I'm just gonna edit all this shit out. Tonight that Pulaski on. Bridge is a real bitch. Tonight on. <laughs> oh, maybe he got caught in the drawbridge. Ooh, yeah. Mm. Been there before. Ooh, yeah. There's a tugboat. Rough boat. stuff out there. There's a tugboat going underneath it. What's it tugging? <laughs> a tugboat. You've heard about the tugger, right? Tugger? What's yeah. the tugger? It's this device that um, in is you can wear incognito underneath your pants or oh, your shorts, it, whatever. Does it jerk you off? Well, yeah, it tugs on you. It, it's either for pleasure or maybe it's it's intended to lengthen the size of your penis uh, by just like myth. constantly tugging. I mean, dude, I tug like seven or eight times a day, and it's not getting any bigger. You got a lot of free time. <laughs> <laughs> Jerking off right now, dude. <laughs> so a tugboat, it's like a whole boat it full of tuggers. The, it lengthens the boat. <laughs> it's a whole boat full of tuggers. <laughs> it's carrying very important cargo. This is, uh, yeah, 
<laughs> I imagine I imagine this is what it's like being in the Metoid Man van. Oh no, it's it's far worse. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> yeah. So I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna say yeah. I was gonna say I'm gonna say Don't something. You'll definitely have to edit, edit it out. out. It's, it's really fucking annoying having to edit constantly. Uh, Believe me. Oh, oh hey, ladies and gentlemen, Ron Grimaldi. Special delivery. Hey, what's up, Ryan? What's up, brother? How's it going? Hey, bro. What's going on? What's up, my man? Come on, man. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Ron made it. Ron Maiden? right at the deep end. Ron Maiden. Is that cat food? Did you just walk in with cat food? No, man. Elf food. Oh, sweet. Oh. But I get it when it's like 80% off. That's the only way I can afford it. The conversation was before I hit record was about jerking off with toothpaste. So, uh, oh, man, I gotta get that fast. Yeah, so, so uh, I, had to, I, I had to hit record. Soap. You know, well, because you're doing two things at once. You're cleaning your dick and... Listen, hair conditioner, best I thing ever. That works, too. I do now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. Ron's been here for uh, 30 seconds, already talking about something sexual. It's right in my wheelhouse, man. Yeah, I know. Soapism, <laughs> but my dick is... <laughs> Your, your dick is this thing on? Is this thing on? Hey. Yeah, it's wow. free in 2017. <laughs> AIDS free. Thanks. Can't get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> if it's even real. It's like when your mother-in-law comes to stay for like a couple days. Can't get rid of it. I don't have a mother-in-law. I don't know. If she's Someday. Sorry or congratulations. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm already regretting asking Nick to join. But we need a mic for this. No, we need a mic for the air horn. Is this it, on? The rap horn. It better. Yeah, yeah. Just go behind the bar. Um, yeah, uh, you want you want to mic it up? No, no. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about my my uh, my buddy Rich, who's doing sound at uh, um, Buddy Rich? Buddy Rich, yeah. Oh, he's doing sound at the Cavern in Exeter. Uh, in uh, the south of England, and this guy, this experimental noise guy, asked him to mic up uh, frying an egg. Oh, you did bacon. tell me about yeah. that. <laughs> mm. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I don't it? know if the I've never gotten asked to like mic up anything super dumb here. Like the dumbest thing is like those big like this shitty black metal band played, and they had like big pipes, like organ. Pipes, bells, or whatever. Oh, that's good. I mean, yeah, uh, but that was like that legit. Really need to be mic'd up. In that it didn't, but they asked for it, so I in didn't. In shitty little room. Yeah. Uh, more pig's blood in the monitor, please. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had anybody ask for like something like unrealistically stupid to be mic- mic'd up. Even during those noise shows? Yeah, I mean, because they all have, like, they have their, like, guitar string that they strap to a fucking skateboard with a guitar pickup on it uh, and, like, a, a shaker, uh, but it's got a pickup built into it because they... Went to engineering school or something, and then well, like, lucky them. Why are they playing here if they went to engineering school? I don't know. <laughs> to piss, da- to piss dad get, off. Get a, get a job. <laughs> piss dad Does off. Does anything pan out for people who play here? <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, welcome, Mutoid man well, is doomed. Then anthrax, welcome, welcome to the automatic crowd. Because we're getting to be Yo. at least one of the bands that's played Saint Vitus the most. Uh, we're, we're no, you there. guys are way behind. Yo, well, you started Oof. late, so you got a lot of catching up to do. Because mm. since Zach's Time been wise. booking shows, I think Pink Mass has played there like fucking 20 Well, yeah, times. he books the same band three days Don't a week. Say, hey, I'm going to have to edit that out. I love him. I'm going to have to edit that out now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Facts are facts. 
You're making me ridiculous. <laughs> Are you time stamping all the points you have to edit out? No. So you're going to have to listen to this all I over do. again. I do it anyway. Sam I am had a lot That's love, Sam, man. Sam I am was endless. Sam I am was like grime central. Yeah. It's like the <laughs> it's great. Like the chopping mall. <laughs> it wasn't even, some of it wasn't even suited for podcast. Yeah. It, it was, yeah. Those guys are, uh, yeah. Anyway, so welcome to the Automatic Crowd, the St. Vitus Bar podcast. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, it's I'm Artie. I'm Ron. And uh, today's guest is the uh, Honorable Sir Stephen Brodsky. Hi. And uh, his tag-along buddy. Oh, he's more than that. <laughs> Come on, he's Look, my, you can just lump us together and say we're the front lines for the band Mutoid Man. Yes, Nick Caggio. Who, uh, Hi. Oh, Caggio. That's, that's a sweet... That's is it, sexy. Is it Caggio? Caggio. It's a hard is G. Caggio? I've never really? known that. I never knew that either. Good. I, signed, I signed your checks and I didn't know that. Good. Well, because you don't have to pronounce your checks. That's true. Trust me, all, through, <laughs> all throughout high school, it was Faggio. Don't worry about oh, it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's inevitable. Well, that that's explains dumb. So I was, I was already farty, which made, well, which it made me eventually get into heavy. I heard that music. once you had a party and then Dude. Jelly Belly blew a smelly and they all went out for air? Yeah. <laughs> that, didn't even that didn't even rhyme. Actually, I think it was Tootie Fruity who laid the beauty. La- or laid a duty. Oh, one of the two. Yeah, you, there's different variations throughout the years. Guys are freestyling. Yeah. yeah. T- oh, totally. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, you, guys are, you guys are in Mutoid Man, um, who uh, just recorded a new record um, and working on setting the record for playing the most times at St. Vitus. Um, working you, on it. You guys are eventually going to have to like get bigger and go play like music hall. I mean, I don't suggest I kind of don't want to. I'd rather play. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think we plateaued. We plateaued like six months ago. <laughs> You've reached your life goals. It's not going to get better than uh, than Guar, you uh, know, <laughs> like Gore juice just covering our cables and our yeah our pants, our guitar cables. How was that show? I was good. It was a really good thing for Mutoid Man. I think I think you know we uh, went over pretty well with their crowd, and you know there's that sort of sense of humor about doing all this that we are totally cool with and obviously they're cool with um they're also they're, really generous and humble dudes yeah like really really nice people to work with like i mean they're not fucking metallica so you know, well no they're guar they might be fucking metallica <laughs> maybe in outer space i think Odorous <laughs> used to fuck james hetfield <laughs> with that fish <laughs> oh the cuttlefish Oh, the old legend. (laughs) Dave Brocky, actually, before any of this, before I even knew Steve, I I think, uh, Dave Brocky bought my tattoo a beer at Idle Hands, a bar on on Avenue B. Your tattoo of Bill Murray from Caddyshack. Yeah. So he he comes up to me. Which just says everything about Nick. (laughs) Really, that's all you need to know is that he has that tattoo. He came up to me and... (laughs) He it's the first like, thing you see. He was like, hey, man, how's it going? And I'm like, holy shit. And at this point, I'm, I, like, they were playing at Music Hall. Right. This was like right after Music Hall Did you Hall know who opened. he was? Yeah, well, they, he was in costume. It was a, it was a meet oh. and greet. Oh, he was in Guar It was costume. like a Guar meet and greet. I mean, that's fucking surreal. So okay. he, he comes out, and he just, he's fucking wasted now, at this point. Were you just at Idle Hands, just hanging out? Did no, you go I knew meet? that there was a meet and greet, so I purposely went because I wanted to meet Dave Brocky. You're fucking fanboy. Uh... Well, he came out with a solo album, and there was a song on it called Hard for a Tard. Like, he made a comedy album. <laughs> like, the dude is a fucking maniac, so I wanted to, like... Dude, Hard for a Tard. Nick's <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh like, God. I gotta meet this guy. <laughs> can, we that? can we segue into that right now? How is that even possible that you could do that and 
and like, in today's climate, and that's not have Antifa show up. And, I don't and, know, yeah. man. <laughs> this was years ago. I mean, this well, was luckily like, he yeah. died before they became a major presence. Yeah. And you're going on Trump stage with a giant fake dick, then anything goes. Shooting, I mean, no one would expect any less. That song "Have You Seen Me" is about kidnapping and fucking children. Yeah, but I mean, they made a video for it. I think. I mean, so you know, that was a different time. It was, was, it, was it their version of Captain Howdy? Yes, huh? but it was the triple X version. <laughs> We're dropping off Twisted Sister knowledge. Yeah, sorry, to sorry. An yeah. Unresponsive this, audience. This, this fucking podcast goes to Twisted Sister very quickly. <laughs> We're Long Island born and bred, so yeah, you got it, a deal. It just, awesome. it, it, and it makes a right at Zebra and then kind of moves into Blue Oyster Cult. And if it goes into Good Rats, you have permission to leave. <laughs> Richie Blackmore's in there somewhere. Playing I know it route. ends with yes. That's my guess. No, because they're not from Long Island. Oh, but everything ends with okay. yes or Oasis in Artie's world. Yeah, that's true. Or a combination saying. of the two, which I'd love to hear. Um, I'd run. Yes, covering Wonderwall. Uh, uh, so, Steve, I, I wanted to keep this Steve-centric, but, you know, Nick ruined it. Oh, but great. Cool. I'll um, shut up. No fucking pressure. <laughs> Steve, uh, Steve started, <laughs> before I turned the microphones on, he said, I'm a shitty interview. And, uh, so I, and I, I meant I, it. And I'm plowing him with drinks. So I'm hoping. <laughs> well, you have two shitty interviewers, so it should work perfect. Yeah, it'll be, oh, this cool. Is, this is the best Two ever. negatives equal a positive. Two negatives equals HIV positive. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to. It's uh, only a matter of time. Usually, usually when we interview uh, uh, prolific uh, artists, who we've had many, many of. At least four. Johnny Stiff. Um, <laughs> you say, how come you can't fucking edit yourself, man? Yeah. Just dude, keep dude, your dude. trap shut. Well, no, the first, one of the best, best questions I've ever asked, and I thought about this when I was, I was looking at your wiki page. And, uh, oh, highly accurate. Uh, is, is it all fucked up? Oh, I've never read it. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, read I never it. read he anything about myself. every night myself. before he goes to bed. <laughs> I masturbate to it with toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> But I was uh, I was looking at it and I was like I was like I was like here's here's another fucking too 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 cool for school dude like Stainer was, you know right. Stainer's like yeah I moved to New York I joined Helmet two weeks after I got here you know he's like next thing I know I'm in fucking Tomahawk next thing I know I'm in fucking you know uh, yeah he has a smooth battles. career in life yeah and and mm-hmm. he's like yeah I feel really lucky I was like so uh, have you ever done anything uncool like are you just too cool like everything happens in your well, life well he mentioned Crawl Pappy he did mention Crawl Pappy <laughs> he played in Crawl Pappy for a minute but uh, yeah. But I, I wanted to ask you the same question because, if, you know. If I've ever done anything uncool? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Were you, at, were you playing a show with New Idea Society one day and you were like, God, I'm uncool. You oh. looked over, you saw Mike Law, you're like, I'm Mike. Oh. I love you, man. I do love Mike World's Law. worst phone personality, but I love him. Phone personality? Yeah. What, you mean like before when you I actually talked to him on the phone? Before I knew him, he, would, like, he was working at a studio at, that we were with Andrew Schneider, actually. We were recording. And... and uh, and I remember my bass player like called him, and he's like, he's like, hello, hello. like he was just dead on the other end of the phone. <laughs> and, and Adam was so bent out of shape, he's like, that guy's a dick. Oh man! And, and we were like, Grillo, we were just like, no, he's all right. Like, I, I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah. like, he's apparently he's a terrible phone person. Well, well, I had a temp job yeah. in Boston working at the Charles Hotel, and I was a receptionist. This was when I was like 19, and I got fired because my phone smile wasn't perky enough. Your phone smile? That's what they told me. They actually said that. Hey, girl, let me see that phone smile. Yeah. Not perky enough. See you later. Wow. If you did phone sex, I mean, like, your phone erection wasn't hard enough? I guess not. (laughs) Yeah. Nowhere near the caliber of that um, (laughs) that Howard Stern prank phone call. Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> we can't we can't play that one no tracy morgan calling a sex line oh yeah gosh. with a soundboard of all quotes from an interview with him it's so good like oh dick you like them big old titties hanging down to my navel don't you baby 
What? <laughs> oh my God! All right, yeah. So uh, at least you're not doing the March shot. Uh, you know, you know that one, Billy West doing March shot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> I always I always play that one, <clears throat> like uh, when I first get in a van touring with somebody, mm. just to see their reaction. And That's nine, how you welcome them in? Yeah. <laughs> Like you want to hear that time when the N word was said about twenty times? On oh, this FM one radio? goes there too. This oh, one, does it? yeah, towards the but end it's of it, Tracy it's, Morgan saying it. It starts to get no. It's it's the it's the phone sex woman. Oh, who shit. sounds like she's got to be like seventy years old, by the way. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, that's hot. And she, and she's got like this weird trailer trashy like southern twang to her voice, and the way she says it is like like it almost offends me. Yeah. You, right. start, you know, like the, the sweet emotion video, Aerosmith? Yeah. You know, at the end of the video, the twist is that they show that woman with like sort of like holding the kid and she's the one that's actually yeah. Yeah. on the, the other end of the sex line. It kind of gives you that picture. No, I'm into it. Yeah. It's, cool. it's hot. hot. The, Real the, hot. Uh, um, I knew a girl who did phone sex as my, my ex-drummer's ex-girlfriend. I did phone sex a week ago. Did you? I didn't get paid. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> baby, uh, oh, baby. She, I'm not going to know what to hobby. do down here. She was working the psychic line, and then she got promoted to the sex line. That was a promotion. You made more money Whoa. At, and oh. than you did on the psychic line. I didn't did realize she them and say, I, I can see that you're going to stick your finger in your ass? I, maybe she did. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's, high, that's some high training right there. Yeah, I, I mean, that's I, next I, level. Yeah. I didn't realize there was, like, moving up. In phone the, world. the phone world, I yeah. didn't either until I mean, she told me this story, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's a new career path." Yeah, well, obviously, the Charles Hotel just crushed any dreams I ever had of moving on up in that your world. hospitality career was destroyed at that point. <laughs> that's sad. That's some, I'm sad for you, Steve. Yeah, um, yeah I did life get worked out terribly since then. I did get to speak with uh, Daniel Stern for a moment, though. Oh, okay, yeah, he was staying at the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Home alone too. <laughs> It was a brief conversation. That's cool. Nice guy. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. He was a great guest. Sweet. Mm-hmm. I like to hear that about Daniel Stern. Yeah. Bush, Bushwhacked was one of my favorite movies. Wow. I don't even know what that is. It's not good. The Bushwhackers. It's really good. The Bushwhackers <laughs> were one of my favorite uh, tag team yeah. wrestling. Let's go. Let's go. Fair there. enough. Powerhouses. Uh, let's go there. You just said Ron's. You just said yeah. magic words. Originally, <laughs> Maybe you should work phone sex where she Ron she calls in. <laughs> <laughs> Bushwhackers. Uh, 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 toothpaste. <laughs> um, so yeah. So so, Steve. Um, uh, I just like. Okay. So how old were you when Caven started? You were fucking pretty young, right? I was 15. You were 15? Yeah. And Were you really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, until Your Heart Stops came out, how old were you? Like 18? 19. 19. Yeah. Uh, that, now, how do you feel influencing shitty metalcore bands? Um, well, <laughs> hey. Are you the Rage Against the Machine of metalcore? <laughs> <laughs> that is a great question. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's I interesting. I like that record for the record. Oh, just, yeah, I was, just I was, just I was oh, no, that's, tell a story. that's cool. Like the, hey. the first time I heard that record. I, I like that record, too. I was blown away. But it, that makes four of us. Oh. It's a good record. Oh, that's a cute Man. moment you guys just had. Mm. But stop, then you had to go stop patronizing fuck, me. you had to go all fucking frog <laughs> rock and fuck it up. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think all our brains were just sort of in this kinetic motion where you know we we weren't really staying one place for too long yeah, musically but you were so young how were you supposed to you know yeah we were just kind of all over the place so we didn't really stick around in terms of playing that type of music or you know sp- specifically metalcore we didn't really kind of you stick wasn't around even a tag yeah you really. didn't even know that that was a genre you were just playing metal and hardcore 
stuff, right? Like yeah, and and then, but so was like botch and Dillinger Escape Plan and yeah. Coalesce and Today's the Day and so ISIS. That, was that was that your direct influence? Those guys or peers? I mean, yeah, those are definitely our peers, and all that was kind of happening around us, and we loved it, you know. And we were so turned on by kind of all this great stuff happening. We just thought, well, if we're gonna level up our band. We can't really surpass any of the things that these guys are doing. Right. Um, I think our best bet is probably just to work the element of surprise into our mission statement and just take a left turn, sort of. And I think playing shows with Neurosis really kind of helped us because those guys put out Times of Grace right around the time that we were writing material for... So you were kind of watching them... What was our next record after Jupiter? You were sort of watching them evolve and... Saying like you know, oh, we'd love to do to introduce some more aste- yeah. uh, atmosphere and yeah. I have to say space. though that all those bands you mentioned that were peers and you were sharing shows and tours with, you guys didn't sound alike. You sounded like you listened to similar bands, yeah. but mm-hmm. you all had your old flavor anyway. So I mean, and then you guys just went further and further your own path. But uh, you guys I, were I, like the Cool Ranch when they were like the Nacho. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're gonna go food <laughs> reference now. <laughs> no, the, the, uh, mm. I, I totally agree with that, and I think I, in in being a, a fan of all those bands at the time uh, and playing in bands myself, and realizing that each one of them had a specific guitar player that was fucking insanely good with different styles. Very unique. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and realizing in my brain, going, oh, I'll never be able to play like that, and just you know. To put it in metal terms, <laughs> it was like. 50 guys doing James Hetfield and Slayer stuff, and then there's Piggy from Voivod. Yeah. And you, that was like what you guys were bringing to like hardcore or hardcore and metal. Which, it was like which, a typically <clears throat> distinct sound, and then you just grew up your own sound. It just, you know, I think it's what makes it stand out and hold up better than most things of that time. Totally. And, and you know, I, I, I remember the first time I heard Jupiter, I was sitting in a guitar center parking lot in Patchogue. It's amazing that I remember this exactly. <laughs> where, and I remember the first place I was when I heard uh, Until Your Heart Stops. I was, remember, you remember Big Dave from Winston-Salem? Did you ever play, <clears throat> I forget the name of his club, 538, I think it was called? I think we may have played Winston-Salem. Code, code 7. Okay, oh, that, that rings a bell. Yeah, I remember them. He's yeah. two singers. He I was, crashed he's in a, their house one day. Big Dave, he's a big fat guy. Okay. Um, awesome dude. And he, he, uh, he was driving around. We were trying to go to the Schaefer Brewery or something, I think, in Winston-Salem. We were trying to go to some brewery for a tour, and that album was on and, Until Your Heart Stops. And I was like, who the fuck is this? This is fucking great. Because I hadn't heard – in the 90s, I really – besides At the Gates, I hadn't heard a lot of metal that excited me. You know, it was like – I was just – my metal life was stunted in 1989. Oh, was, At the Gates is a huge influence. Yeah, at, I mean, that, but, like, that's like yeah. sort of the soul. At the Gates. Is, a, is, a, is, is, is to me that record is up there with say like the Rain and Bloods and you know like the lineage the Ride the Lightnings and you mean Slaughter of the Soul yeah, yeah. oh absolutely yeah, like, like, I think it's the Rain and Blood of the 90s yeah pr- exactly so like besides those, that record not a lot really excited me and I heard the, I heard your record and I was like man this is fucking great this is like this is so killer and then the Jupiter story so this is funny where you were saying you were you know like like the kids that you were listening to Cave In I don't think could even remotely grasp where you were coming from. You know what I mean? Like, I, I remember Phil, my guitar player in our Type 11, we were sitting in this parking lot, and, and he grew up listening to fucking ska and pop punk. Me and him would fight all the time. He'd be like, no, we gotta have, like, a fast part. I'm like, no, that sucks. That sucks. <laughs> and Blink-182 sucks, and it sucks. All this shit sucks. Phil likes Blink? And ska's fucking, ska's, ska's the worst, God. especially when white people play it. So anyway... <laughs> like, like fucking history of Jamaican music though fantastic you listen to the old stuff it's really cool uh, 
<laughs> up to two tone, that's brilliant. Uh, uh, no, it was uh, Artie Philly's. Was it Artie Philly? No, it was Joe Grillo who came up with a SWAT stick ska. <laughs> the the uh, the white power ska band. Nice. Swat sticks go. Hardy's um, mad he didn't think of that. No, uh, he might have. He knows? probably stole it if he didn't. Yeah. Um, it it, it, it might have been Ed, too. Anyway, anyway. Uh, Ed's not that smart. No. Uh, no, Sorry, not, Ed. Ed, not Ed Reyes. Oh, that's why. <laughs> different Ed. Um, but, yeah, and, and we sit in Parkley's playing. He's like, you got to hear this guy sings in falsetto. And, like, it's like crazy. You're like, you'd love this because he knew I was into prog rock. But it was like, it was a pop punk kid who had never heard anything remotely progressive. Or somebody sing like somebody from our scene was singing in falsetto and writing like a nine minute song. Mind blown. Like I just watched his mind explode. He's like, This is incredible. And I was like, and you don't like yes, but this is this is better. You know, and I, I, the, it was weird how I feel like that era of Caven um really was a huge influence on uh, the heavy music, and especially with hardcore kids who really had no exposure to that at all. It was a huge part of people... I don't think they were open-minded enough to hear it from the outside, but someone from the inside did it, and right. then they gave it a chance, and then... Yeah, and, and just the musicality of it, the atmosphere of it, it, it was... Uh, it, it, it was it's a really a landmark record. And, and you know, like, knowing you, like, um, we've met numerous times throughout the years, whether you remember it, I remember it is a different story, but, you know, especially we were on tour. <laughs> um, the, uh, um, I was actually signed to Geffen at the time that you were signed to RCA. And I remember, like, you know, we were having not similar problems, but uh, tell the story about the RCA, the antenna thing, and, like, how, how many, like, how many times did you re-record that album? Like, what was the deal with it getting rejected? And, like, because we heard all the rumors, but I never heard the actual truth about the story. I just heard you had a hard time. I never heard any details. Well, we had a lot of time. That was part of the problem, I think, in hindsight, is that we had so much time to make this one record. And in some ways, it's good because you really have this luxury of fine-tuning your music, and if you want to sort of go a new direction, well, you have that cushion to do it, right? But there's something that gets lost when you have all this time set aside to make a record. It loses some of its immediacy. And then, yeah, along the way, especially in the major label world, you know, where you're meeting producers and, you know, demos get recorded and then people think, oh, well, all right, I listened to that, but... uh we could do away with the Cookie Monster vocals or <laughs> this arrangement's too long. Why is this song nine minutes? You know, how come there's no chorus in this song? So Who directly was doing that? Like, who was putting the input in like that from the industry side, the side outside the band? Yeah, was it A&R? Was it producers? Was it like, like, who specific, name names. Let's hear names. Who told you, <laughs> who told you to get rid of the Cookie Monster vocal? I want to know. Um, well, well, <laughs> even though he hates well, that actually, <laughs> um, someone who hates Sesame Street, which uh, is I, blasphemy. I didn't say that. That's fucked up. <laughs> Why you gotta be racist? <laughs> exactly. Which is why I don't want to out them because, um, this could create real problems. Um, but no, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter at this in point, terms of they names. Don't have a fucking job anymore? <laughs> well, not, names, not names, but positions in the label. That's more well, like well, important. Look, I mean. And did you feel like they were people that had the right to put that input in, or did you feel like they were stepping on your toes as an artist? Well, it's, it's hard when you're sort of involved in this world that's changing very quickly around you. And, you know, Caven, you know, had a, a very strong hardcore punk background, 
that's where we came from. So in those instances, as you guys know, you, you end up working a lot with your friends and people you've just sort of grown up with. And, you know, oh, this guy I've known for years. Well, he's our booking agent. You know, yeah. he's just he's been booking at this venue for years and he wanted to or he wanted like to book even, our van or whatever, Kurt, you know, like with Kurt, like he did your early records. And yeah, you know, like it, it, it would have been cool to have Kurt do, you know, like your major label record, you know, it. It, it would have been wild, but there's no yeah. way. There's no way. I mean, it's like I I, had an, I remember having a, a, um, uh, a meeting with the president of Geffen, and and he was just like, we brought up Joe Barisi. We were like, oh, we, let's get Joe Barisi to do the record, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh yeah, well, you know, it's a I like it. Uh, it's a movement. The guys want, you know, it's like, well, we could do the record for fifty grand, which is an insane number nowadays. You know, it's like, yeah. like you know, we wound up spending six hundred thousand dollars or something, and and it's like, like, which I heard the number for you guys was bigger, but the the, mm-hmm. uh, um, I, I was just like, you know, the reaction to it was like, well, no, it can only be Jerry Finn or Howard Benson or like, you know, like yeah. they they wouldn't let you spend that little money. Yeah, which is so ironic because they like where you took the band. And you got to their level, so quote unquote, and then, and then your input it. means nothing. Yeah, your input means nothing, and that you know, suddenly, there's got to be a suddenly, balance. Suddenly, you have to go right with the guy from the New Radicals or something. You know, like, yeah. fucking, I, the flavor of the week. <laughs> well, who the, doesn't even know who the fuck you are. Yeah, the reason for that is because everybody wants to be the one that said, "Hey, I told them to go with so and so," and if it becomes a success. They get to take the credit. Yes. Exactly. So they can piggyback on your success and say they created it. Mm-hmm. Or they took you from A to B. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's it, precisely. But what about when they take you from B back to A? Then they're nowhere to be found. Yeah. I mean, no, you never hear about anyone's mistakes in the no. industry. No, no, they bury their dead <laughs> no. That's the whole it's, dirty that's a, side of it is you just crawl on top of people to like... Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's called a that's, tax write-off. That's, that's and why then it's, you, uh, <laughs> and then you know somehow the that's why the music impossible. industry is kind of dead now because it's made itself so fucking redundant and stagnant that yeah. it's just like, hey, let's get everybody to work with everybody. Oh shit, yeah. <clears throat> it all sounds exactly the same now. Yeah, but, yeah. homogenized shit. But I think for bands like ours nowadays, like that, that that's not the end game. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. <clears throat> back then, that was the end game. Like you were like, oh, I got a major label deal. I can do this for a living. You know, and and you 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 roll the dice because you know, like you want to have that experience. You want to see because there's no at that time there was no other way to reach that level other than to have that sort of backing. And you know, for you guys, like, did you feel were you being pressured to write commercial rock hits? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our A and R guy specifically said we need a black hole son. We need an inner Sandman. And I think he was genuine about saying that in the sense that he f- believed that you were capable, that we were capable. Yeah, I, right. I genuinely felt that. Um, but, you know, it's tricky because when you get into that mindset, you inevitably start writing for an imaginary audience. Okay. It's an audience that doesn't actually exist, but in your mind, you're thinking, okay, this is what this whole mass of people who haven't heard our band yet are going to want to hear from us. So your vision... Look vis- at this photograph. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I was just about to sing a Shinedown song. But yeah. yeah. So your, your, <laughs> vision, you your vision becomes wow. like sort of skewed in the way that you're looking past what's right in front of you, which is the audience that you've built since day one. And you're sort of being like, ah, that's cool. It's cool that you guys are still here with us, but we're trying to look into the bleachers right now and see what this 
crowd of people that doesn't actually exist what they want to hear. You and know? I, I th- I and the irony is the bands they're using as examples, it was a natural evolution. I don't like Enter Sandman, and I don't think Black Hole Sun is in the top 50 Soundgarden songs, but it is a progression of what they naturally built. They didn't leave their wheelhouse to try and write like somebody else for an imaginary audience. They just mm. kept doing their thing. Yeah. So I feel like, especially because I know the records now in hindsight, they, the Caven thing, could it could have just been built and continued. Maybe they didn't have the patience, and they're kind of like just looking for huge numbers, but I think well, without their pressure, you could have just been yourself and reached a bigger audience. It just would have taken a little more time. Well, let me ask you, so is it, is it true? Let me, let's go through the rumors that I had heard over that time. <clears throat> Besides the fucking English press picking up the stupid shit that Dave Grohl said that uh, your drummer was his favorite drummer, and like <clears throat> for some reason the publicist uh, in your, your English label just went fucking crazy with it. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the enemy, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, so Dave Grohl did, says something, and it's like, news? Ma- Foo's, like Foo Fighters tried <laughs> stealing all their fucking stage tricks, man, and all their tones. <laughs> Tell him about that one. Oh yeah, let's hear it. This is a um, good one. I'm sorry, I like Steve's stories I mean, too. Dave, Dave Grohl, my friend. <laughs> you met my friend Dave, who played here. Dave Grohl. Oh, you know Dave. Here. I yeah, know you Dave. Know Dave. Yeah, you. I smelled oh, Steve, his. You were here, I, weren't you? I shook his hand. Yeah. I, I smelled his. Uh, <laughs> I smelled his drum stool afterwards. <laughs> so, so what, how did so? so it smelled uh, like success. It smelled like SIR. <laughs> <laughs> it smelled like. Darren's Jim, Jim Conboy. <laughs> um, I, I said Darren. Close enough. <laughs> Take a picture. So, so yeah, so I'm interested in this. So, so what, what's this story about the Foo Fighters stealing Caven's tones? Well, it was during the tour that Caven opened for Foo Fighters in the UK. Um, we were direct support. What record were you on? Uh, we were touring on a record called Tides of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. which is an EP that came out shortly before Antenna. Yeah, it was between the two albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, and so Caleb Schofield, bass player of Caven, um, you know, people love his sound and his playing and his tone, his vibe, and uh, included with that <laughs> list of people is definitely Nate from the Foo Fighters. He had asked Caleb, I think, directly about his setup, and, you know, Caleb is... I think probably being kind of coy with him and just being like, oh, you know, yeah, it's a grabber, but I don't know, I just, I just play hard, that's all. <laughs> you know, uh, and Nate, I don't think, was satisfied with some of the information that Caleb was relaying to him about his gear. Probably too vague, wow. yeah. Knowing Caleb, um, that was probably his approach. And uh, But that's kind of what we were all about, you know? We're just like, oh, yeah, we, you know... We're, it's it's just kind of it's kind of fun not to just give everything away to somebody who's asking like give me your tricks give me your give me your secrets you know can you um, just stand on the side of the stage and watch look at his pedal board well okay so <laughs> that's part hand. of it but what was Caleb doing did he have like fucking like, <laughs> he he's have, just like, a, a, he have a midget covering it or he's something? just <laughs> a badass you know um, but look uh, we were all about like putting tape over our pedals and you know feeding into that that wow. mystery a little bit you know it's, it, look it's it's Nerds. not that hard yeah it's not that hard to figure out right Nerds. so nerdy um <laughs> but stigma does. nate from the foo fighters <laughs> took it one step further he actually had his guitar tech it was after we had checked one day we had sound checked at this venue and we so like we were direct support so we got to leave our gear all set up so 
the base tech for the Foo Fighters actually went out on stage and was taking notes. He was writing down the, the schematics and the make and the model number of this base head that Caleb was using, which was actually... What was it? Was, it? it was an old Marshall base head that apparently very few of them were made. The MB, MBA 400? I can't remember. Or was it one of the majors? Marshall Major. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> sick, sick fucking amp. Sick amp. Two, yeah. Nick said something that wasn't a joke. <laughs> well, he is a gearhead. Heavy as fuck. A clown. Two transistors, right? The thing is heavy as shit. Um, it was a bitch to, to move around. So, yeah, so basically you guys hated him for having it. <laughs> so the way I hate Nick's gear. Oh, man. <laughs> Booyah. Well, at least it but sticks I'll around. Borrow, I'll still borrow it. Can't wait till <laughs> Nate, Nate Mendel starts stealing my secrets. <laughs> he, he, maybe he did when he played here. He, Remember when he played here? Oh, what well, band he, was he in on that one? For, it was his band. There were 50 people here. Yeah. What the hell is his band? I forget what they're called. They, they uh, I wasn't here for that. I was on tour. I think they put a record on a Dine Alone. Anyway. So, so yeah. apparently, the, the, the bass drive that Caleb was using at the time, which I believe is a full tone, um, he noticed at tone, some point. Was it the tone bone? Um, may have been a full drive. I can't full remember. Okay. Uh, the bass drive. It was probably the bass drive. drive. Bass drive. Yeah. But like it's basically like the full drive bass version. Right, right. He noticed, Caleb noticed that the tape that oh, had been t- covering the name of the pedal and the identity of it had been tampered with. So that's how far this guy went. And busted. I think, I think at some Fully point. Fully busted. Yeah, yeah. I think at some point Nate was also playing a grabber, a grabber bass, a Gibson grabber. Except, I mean, my bass player bought a grabber because of Caleb. So yeah. Yes. Right. Exactly. Player, Adam. Right. Several people have. <laughs> it's the irony of how high up in the food chain it is. Though. I think he tried to. Not like he... a kid in the audience, like, wow, this guy's a great bass yeah. player, and I like his tone. We were staying, who it is. We were staying doing at, the, it. at the Columbia because I think both Instruction and Caven had played uh, Reading that day. And uh, was it Reading? I, I was around that time. It was, this is a long time ago, but I was actually hanging out with you, um, and we were both really really fucking drunk you know it's the columbia at four o'clock in the morning or something sounds about right yeah and uh and i think adam tried to corner caleb about his gear <laughs> if i remember correctly sounds about right <laughs> we actually have it on video oh somewhere yeah i'm not kidding you have a video yeah because there was that's a, random there was a video uh a friend of ours was with us uh doing, it was it was download festival that we played that was what, what i don't understand about caleb's playing is how he plays the fucking bass so low. Some people do that. He plays with a pick, right? Yeah. He does. So do I. And Nate Mandel plays and with his fingers, so he should just, like, you're never going to get that. You're never going to get that tone. <laughs> this is yeah. Not Sorry, bud. Yeah. Just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we got the inside scoop on the Foo Fighters fucking trying to rip Cave, and it's <laughs> fucked up, man. <laughs> Shit's fucked up. So, all right. So back to how many times you, you recorded Antenna. Was it recording an entire album and then giving it to them and then disapproving or was it you guys continuously doing songs writing rewriting and them just being okay well let's try this and and how many producers did you work with well the writing process is really what was the longest and the most tiresome did you move to la uh briefly yeah just for a few months they make us all yeah. do that. uh i know we spend a lot of time in la um, between the years of like 2001 and 2004. That's, it's so funny we didn't yeah. run into each other more because that's when I was out there. And it's like, yeah. But I was living in West Hollywood. They, they sprung. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't have to stay at fucking uh, Cokewoods. <laughs> yeah, with all the divorced movie stars. Yeah, and they're fucking uh, and and they're shooting porn in the fucking hot tub and shit. It's fucking horrible. That sounds fun. <laughs> Instead, we stayed at a Russian brothel, which I later found out. Whoa! You found out later. You didn't find out. During? No, no. Well, we would just be like, we'd walk yeah, in this. Didn't place. find out. We'd walk in this place. Get out of here! Stop sucking my dick. There's all these like <laughs> hot Russian women who are working behind the counter, and then they'd be like, oh, we have to do a tour, and you'd see like a guy disappear with one of the women, and like. And they're like, you know, they're, Donald they're, Trump was there. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and, did they pee on him? And, and, yeah, probably. And uh, and I was like, it was really bizarre. Like, it, it took me a while to figure it out. And I was like, I remember I was rooming with Adam, and I was just like, is this place a fucking? Is this a brothel? He's like, I think it is. And then people, we tell people where we were living, and they're like, yeah, dude, that's totally a fucking brothel. Like, no way. So it's above an Erwan, so you could go get like some nice vegan food, a blowjob. Mm-hmm. And then it's you could go see. Place. And then you could go see the Price is Right because it's right next to the CBS uh, Broadcast Center. Oh, I did go to the Price is Right for a taping once, and some woman shook Bob Barker's hand. She apparently had some ring that snagged his hand, uh-huh. and he cut his hand, and he was real pissed about it. Really? Oh, yeah. Gosh. She was trying to get in on the ground level of that uh, the Alps game. <laughs> the guy's going up on the escalator. Playing dirty. <laughs> Great reference. Cutting up Bob Barker. That was deep. Remember the so- the uh, the song from the from the, the climb in the Alps game? It was like totally. Oh, we should cover that. That will be covered. That's a B side. It sounds like the two minutes to late night theme. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which I just heard like ten times. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, Mutoid Man rehearses at St. Vitus. And uh, so I didn't know that. often when I uh come in here during the day, uh I have to listen to their I've heard their whole new album. Our shenanigans. <laughs> I've heard their whole new album numerous times. Uh but, uh before it was recorded. I think I heard one song recorded. It's fantastic, by the way. Congratulations. Thank Thanks, you. Buddy. I'm very uh I'm very excited for you guys. I think uh I think you're gonna move up. I mean I know you guys were talking about writing hits. Move on up. Trying to trying to get out of the whole like fucking Steve's a goddamn C and C hit factory. Yeah, I mean it's kinda true. Oh, Steve, speaking of which Gonna you... make you sweat? <laughs> gonna make you groove. <laughs> Who have uh have you written for anybody recently? Because uh Steve, that's a sideline that Steve has. Actually I believe it's part of his sort of profession. Um yeah. Uh, Hence I, why you can do an interview at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. A, I'm thankfully have a very flexible schedule, thanks to BMG. That's my publishing company. His, his schedule does yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just... I, it's the downward dog of publishing I, companies. I, I, <laughs> when's the comedy record coming out, Nick? When's it coming out? June 2nd. <laughs> oh, it's so a new Mutoid Man comes out June 2nd? Hopefully. On Sergeant House? Yeah, unless there's like a massive Beatles reissue that just clogs all the pressing plants again. Very possible. Yeah. Oh, this is all about how long it's going to take to get vinyl printed? Record store day. Yeah. That's, uh, well, there's fewer and fewer vinyl plants out there. So when one of these Jack major... Jack White just opened one. So did Metallica. Oh. Metal- did they really? I didn't yeah, Metallica they bought an old one. Yeah, Jack White's is in Detroit, Detroit right? Yeah. Something like that? So they that. could press their own, though. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if they're doing other people. I'm sure they'll start outsourcing. Well, Q, yeah, they're Q, not going to put out vinyl sure, that often. I'm sure Q Prime fucking bought it, and you could yeah. just, you know, have Q Prime be your management, yeah. like Baroness, and then you could, you can take advantage of that. Chocolate! You want to be our manager? <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of good ideas, Steve, whether or not I Q can Prime. make it happen. You know. <laughs> I'm very connected in uh, small places. Just steal I'll his bet. ideas. Don't pay him. Yeah, exactly. 
It's a I was actually reading that article about Jack right White opening the second place in Detroit. Yeah. Um, because he did something that's sort of industry uh, interesting in the industry is he didn't he didn't so much just uh, usually what happens is a, a record plan will get shut down and that's how that's how the record making machines move like the lathes move around. He actually ordered like seven or so new brand new presses, brand new like record presses oh, from so Europe. They, they haven't made them. They probably haven't made record presses. Yeah, like he, he's like the first person to have new record presses made for both seven inch and twelve inch in like fifty years or some shit like that. Wow. And and Ron has another bag of snacks. I'd just like to say, mm. yeah, man. Snack bags. Snacks. What, is this some vegan oh, bullshit? It's vegan dark chocolate. Keep almond. snacking. Would keep like keep sure. snacking. Would you like one? I'm gonna Calm take down, two, right? one for each side of my mouth. Ron and his vegan Ron and his vegan bullshit and his I dig symmetry. angry posts on, on Facebook. I'm peace and love. No, I'm not. I'm gonna mm. save an intro for the post that Artie put up. Or the post that you put up. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. So good. Bacon torpedo? Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um <laughs> so all right, so so you make antenna. You like you're like, uh, where are you at at this point? Like, are you are you guys just beaten down from? Because I, I mean, personally, I, I like my experience with all this was it it hurt my self confidence so much. You know, being told that something isn't good enough, and 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 again, I, I won't name names, but and because I really like most of the people I worked with, I feel like they were real music fans, and they were people who gotten their 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 pay was bloated um, because the industry was bloated. But <clears throat> I do feel like they were people who got involved in the right for the right reasons, minus the rich kids, which I you know. I mean, the industry was a bubble, but if you had well-intentioned people around you, it's hard to hold them. Well, you don't, too much you, of a you, grudge. You, I guess. Like at the end of the day, I, I don't think anybody, even back then, got into music to make money, make a lot of money, because it just wasn't it wasn't there. You know, I, I mean, I guess you could, but I know for like someone like me, I would have just I was just happy making a living. You know, I was like, wait, I don't have to have a real job and. And if you get that one hit, you literally don't have to work for the rest of your life. You can make a lot of money and a lot of other doors open, and all of a sudden you're a writer for BMG, like you are. And you know, although you didn't have a hit, but obviously people respected you enough to take you on and and make you a songwriter for for a living, which is a fucking amazing thing. Plus, you you've, you're a sick guitar player. But in which uh, I was going to bring up that story too. We played an acoustic show together at the Peel in Kingston. In uh, which is like a, which is sort of like the Long Island of London, I, I always like to say. Um, <clears throat> which I don't. Did the Peel have the strip club on the other side at that point? I don't know if it was closed. I'm not sure. This was but around 2004, if I remember yeah. correctly. And I, I, you know, I had never, I had never seen you play uh, acoustic guitar before, like or, or by yourself in general. And so me and Joe played, and then you played, and you like watching you play was a fucking. Oh my god! <laughs> Me and Joe would say, like, Joe was like, "You got to watch Steve play, man," because Joe's seen you play for years. And and I was like, "Ah, oh, you know, I'll totally check it out." And I was fucking floored. I was floored. I was like, "Dude, I quit," <laughs> <laughs> because you know, to to entertain people as an like playing acoustic, you mm -hmm. got like I, I always harken. I'll harken back to Elliot Smith. When you watch Elliot Smith, I, I saw him a million times, and you know, I saw him at Brownies and shit and Fez, and and he was actually a great guitar player. Really, really fucking good. Absolutely. He played in a lot of open tunings, which I eventually learned that you know you should do when you want <laughs> when you want to actually play play acoustic well. Mm -hmm. It just sounds better. But um, but yeah, watching you was like it's like yeah, this is how you do it, man. Like you like you have to be that good 
to be able to entertain as one person with an acoustic guitar. It's not just about, you know, it's not, it's not Wonderwall over and over again, strumming I and playing. I want you to step back from that ledge, my friend. <laughs> Did you write that? That's good. Anyway, so en- enough <laughs> ass-kissing. This has been a pretty ass-kissing podcast. I've been kissing Steve's ass a lot. It's a nice ass to kiss. Yeah. I got I've seen it in underpants before. Well, I got to see him all the time. He's our Ooh. neighbor. Uh, he lives right here. You know, I don't want to have any bad blood. You know, it'd be kind of weird. Mm. So, fuck up the club. So, uh, again, so going back to this whole thing, uh, of course, I made it about me, which I do often on this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and in life. Uh, the, um, you, so, like, did, did your self-confidence get fucked? Was, like, was the band just, like, mind-fucked from the whole experience? And what did it do to the chemistry of the band itself? Yeah, I felt kind of shattered that the whole situation didn't play out the way that maybe I had imagined first going into it, especially after the quote unquote, like honeymoon period started to end and you realize that, Oh, we're actually really in debt with this label and our A&R guy who ditched the whole scene after like just a few weeks when our record came out. Um, and nobody wants to A and R us because we have this massive price tag over our head. Um, right, ooh, you're the, you're a fail, you're a loss from the beginning. Uh, yeah, so, we were, we felt exactly. dead in the water, you right. know. Um, Is that because they felt like you didn't write a black hole song? Well, our record just was a commercial failure. What was the price tag, Steve? Just say it. What was the number? I'm, um, I'm so interested. <laughs> it was a lot, I told you man. Mine. I, ch- I showed you mine. You show me yours. Oh, hey. Wow, it's getting fun. It was here. a lot. It was a lot. It was Over not a. Mill? Um, I wouldn't say it was over a million, but it was around that. You know what I mean? It was it was not a small number, yeah. and it was enough to like really freak people out to want to have to take on this band, you know. And um, yeah, it was it was tough. Uh, we sort of did what we thought kind of came natural to us, which is like, well, we're hardcore punks at the core of it all so let's go we're on tour <laughs> well yeah like like let's just sort of core let's like start from scratch you know and that's kind of what we did and we started writing what eventually became the record perfect pitch black and we were submitting demos of the songs on that record to rca those songs later became the actual recordings that we used for the record but we were away really yeah, they yeah. They gave them to you? Mm-hmm, they oh, did. That was nice. And in the end... And surprising. Yeah. Yeah, in mm-hmm. the end, we, we lucked out with the label and that, like... Uh, I think it was because with our management and the way that we structured our contract, uh, it, in any shape or form that the band was going to be dropped from RCA, we were going to receive a payout. Okay, so, yeah, it's, it's, I was going to ask you if you had a pay or play. Like, I had a pay or play. Mm-hmm. hundred grand. Yeah. Because you, you signed a two-record firm. And then mm-hmm. if they don't put out the second record, you get you basically get bought out. That's how it works. Yeah. So I was expecting a nice little payout for myself. Um, yeah. Which would have been great. Um, the fucking asshole shitty lawyers at Geffen or Interscope Universal found a because our drummer quit mm-hmm. in the middle of the album cycle. And is that a loophole? <clears throat> well, we had key members. Me and Adam were the key members, but we so we thought we were protected. Yeah, there was a loophole, oh, and man. they owed us nothing. And and they uh, that wouldn't take twenty five percent out. 
No, the only reason I, I got I wound up get, we wound up getting fifteen thousand dollars total of that money because Bill McGathy, who was my manager at the time, uh, was negotiating some sort of deal with Geffen about I forget what band he was managing. So basically, he leveraged a band to get us some money because we had like a five thousand dollar merch bill mm -hmm. and and a, 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 a I won't. I won't so he I'm not going to talk shit about my book. other band, basically, so yeah, you could to, get partial payment. 15, that, 15 grand, which was literally gone the second we got it because yeah. of all the bills that we had. So at that point, like, I was 32, and I had my, my now wife, girlfriend at the time, had kicked me out. I had nowhere to live. I was living, I was living, in some, I was living somewhere. It was nice, but, and it was wonderful that the person let me live there. But, but uh, I had no money. I had no job. Literally nothing. And I was $25,000 in debt. The credit cards, because I financed the band when we first started before we got signed together. So the rock and roll life. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, so you you had a pay or play, and nope, I made it about me again. All um, I'm picturing you is as Marky Mark after uh, after he left Steel Dragon, and he just you see him in a park in a flannel, and he's just playing an acoustic guitar. No, he wasn't in a park. He was playing a show. He okay. moved to Seattle, right? Yeah, well, that's yeah, yeah. what it was. He, well, mm -hmm. no, he, he was. He, he became. He was, he was integrating. Yeah, he was integrating with the nineties. He, he was updating his hey, image. Let's, let's, grunge. I respect that. <laughs> he, was, he, he entered the grunge era, absolutely. Yeah, but you know, I, I he did an acoustic version of "Stand Up and Show." Whoa! Yeah, the echo in here made that. Oh sound my good. god! It sounded good. It sounded so good. That's why I had this for six hundred thousand dollar record because I could do that, even though <laughs> I didn't do that. At all. You were just screaming for vengeance. Screaming. <laughs> so you had a pay or play in your contract. So you guys got a couple bucks when you got dropped. And we and got to got recordings. Yeah, we got to keep the demos, which became the foundation for the perfect pitch black record. Which Hydra had put out. Yes. Yes. So was, I mean, uh, that's, a, that's a great scenario, actually, yeah. from all that. Yeah, it was. In a weird way, it worked out as good as it could have. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So and during all that time, you were also recording uh, like sort of home demo stuff on four track, right? Always. I mean, I've been doing that since 1994. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, do, do you like do you enjoy that more than the band situation or is it is it a for years? I'd go back and forth on how I felt about it. Um, I still record quite a bit on my own and I think I always will. You know, I I. I benefit greatly from working as a solitary sort of writer and musician, but um, it never fails that once I introduce an idea to a band or a group of people that, you know, are right for the song and the situation, that it gets way better. Yeah. And it gets way better than I could ever imagine it, and then I get excited all about it and all over again. You know, and well, you're peeing the on the floor. You're also the yeah. type. <laughs> <laughs> you're the type of person who is continuously surrounded by great musicians. So I mean, anybody, I'm very lucky. Anybody who has to keep up with one you right is next to me. Good. Yeah, I mean, Nick. No, the one right there. <laughs> this Nick guy. Ron's pretty good too. <laughs> I have my moments. Oh, sweet. when he's crawling around on the ground, cutting himself. And yeah, shit. when I'm bleeding and screaming about the government. Iggy Pop made a career out of that. He's yeah, a much he better sure one. The <laughs> <laughs> oh, goals have been lofty. ABC, CBS. Your David Bowie angel will come along. Oh. And save you. I'm sure. <laughs> that would be great. That's, that's me, dude. David Blowy. My, next, my new band <laughs> has gonna... a demo tape coming out. That's to show you how, you know, so how close we are to making it. I know. Is it, is it all vegan? Is it a vegan demo tape? Um, 
vegan plastic? Well, the tape's not made out of animal products. <laughs> Two-thirds of the band are vegan. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> Me and Mike D. <laughs> Me and Mike D. And Anthony. That sounds that like, a, that sounds like a sitcom. It is. It's, <laughs> we, we are a sitcom. Me, Mike D, and Anthony. I get it. I get it. Everything's a jingle. I got to hit Mike D up some strings. I had a good yeah, jingle once. A one steak sauce. What the fuck's in that shit? <laughs> <laughs> 